All right. Well, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Um, there's a bulletin that got emailed to you. I haven't put it on Facebook yet, so I'll try to get that done tonight. Um, so if you're not getting emails, but you are following the church's Facebook page, you'll see those. Uh, but pretty much no events uh, for the time being. Uh, we'll let you know if anything changes about services and service times. But for right now, uh, we're going to continue on with this same online format. Um, hopefully more stuff continues to open up in the Polk County area. Um, as that happens, that's really encouraging to me as um, we look towards reopening. Because we want to uh, demonstrate our care just in how we open and when we open uh, to the community. So that's one of the things that we're trying to do. Uh, let's go to Lord in a word of prayer though, and then we will get started. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the book of Genesis and how it has taught us that we must live by faith and that we must walk by faith. And that is uh, what you call us to, and that is um, the plan that you have for us. We pray that as we look at this passage and we consider um, Jacob's choices and we see how at the beginning of uh, the narrative he did not walk by faith and he chose to pursue his own efforts his own um, ambitions and desires and his own means to accomplish his goal but by the end of the text he realizes that all his effort was futile and that it did not lead him to where he wanted to go and it did not provide him the end end goal but rather through your own blessing and your own desire and your own um, will you brought about great blessing in his life we pray that we would be willing to uh, trust you and to follow the example that uh, Jacob sets for us in this passage and in your name we pray amen <clears throat> all right uh, Genesis chapter 30 verse 25 through chapter 31 verse 16 if you would let's read the passage and then we will continue on and it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you and how your livestock have been with me. For what you have had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything if you will do this thing for me. I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and the speckled among the goats. These shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, 
Oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. When he put th Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Now Laban took for himself now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods, and the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks and the gutters and the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs, and made the flocks face toward the streaked, and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he did put his own flocks by themselves, and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, and they, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous, and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. Chapter 31, verse 1. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all his wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your wages, uh, yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said to me, The speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock bore speckled. And if he said, Thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at that time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said to and I said, Here I am, and he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get up out of this land, and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Let's go to Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this account. We pray that as we... Uh, look at it in a little bit more detail and consider how it calls us to live and calls us to uh, think and to respond to you, that we would be willing to humbly do that. In your name we pray. Amen. 
God blesses his servants in his in his time and in his way. That is the big idea of this passage is that God blesses his servants in his time and in his way. And as we enter the passage, uh, there's an immediate problem that becomes apparent. The first problem is uh, Jacob came here not intending to make this his new home, right? If you remember in a couple of chapters ago, his mother told him, go and come back soon. And he never actually gets to see his mom again because he spends some 20 years here. And so he's like, okay, it's about time for me to head back. I've been here for 14 years and I don't have any wealth acquired and I have no means by which to care for my family. So I'm going to head back to the promised land, the land where God has told me that I'm supposed to be. And when he goes and he tells Laban, his father-in-law, this, um, his father-in-law is not too impressed with the idea and is not wanting him to go. And he acknowledges that it is because of Jacob that he has been blessed. You see that in verse 27. He says, please stay if I found favor in your eyes because I know that the Lord has blessed me because of your presence. If you hadn't been here, if you weren't here caring for, taking care of, my flocks, God would not have blessed me in this way, and I would not be as wealthy as I am. So stay and name me what your wages should be, and I will pay you those wages. And Jacob proposes what appears to be a very fair wage. He says, you know, uh, give me the rarer kinds of the sheep and the goats. So uh, normally the goats would not be streaked or spotted or speckled. They would normally be one solid color. And it was common for shepherds in those days, if they received a pay from somebody, to receive 20% of the lambs that were born. And so Jacob is really asking for what appears to be a very fair wage, something that's far smaller than um, what you might expect an average shepherd to ask for and to seek to get. And as he does that, um, it does appear like he's trying to work behind the scenes to once again deceive his uncle and follow the same type of practice that we've seen him follow previously with his brother and the birthright and with the blessing and with his father Isaac. He's had this pattern of deceiving and seeking to acquire God's blessing in his own way and in his own time. And God doesn't honor that. And sometimes we do the same thing. We're very much like Jacob. We seek to acquire God's blessing. We seek to acquire something from God. And we seek to do it in our own means, in our own way. And when we do that, we actually lose our testimony before others. And we risk alienating ourselves from the community around us. As you continue to work your way through the text, though, uh, you kind of see exactly what it is that Jacob is doing and how exactly he is trying to uh, receive the stuff, the blessing, the wealth. And so Laban agrees and they choose to remove all the type of sheep that Jacob would receive as his wages and they separate the sheep that are speckled and spotted and have about three days distance so there can't be crossbreeding that would make Jacob have a higher chance of having 
his type of sheep and Laban have a lower chance of his type of sheep. And you move on into verse 37 and Jacob is scheming. He's plotting. He's seeking to deceive. He's seeking to use his own means, his own method to acquire God's blessing. And so he's using the green poplar and he's cutting out the bark and he's making them look different so that he thinks that this will somehow affect what the lambs look like when they're born. And he's pursuing his own means, his own methods. And there's no, it's interesting, you have the acknowledgement that the Lord has blessed Laban. You have that early on in verse 27. And in verse 30, you have Jacob once again acknowledging that the Lord is involved in the whole situation. But after that, from verse 30 all the way through chapter 30, you never again see God brought up. It's just Jacob seeking to accomplish his own goals via his own means, via his own plan. And then when you get into chapter 31, that's where you begin to realize that, and Jacob begins to realize that all his planning, all his work, all his effort really hasn't brought about the goal that he thought it had. Because he thinks that he's being successful. I mean, you read verse 41 of chapter 30 and it's like, Jacob is being successful. He is becoming wealthy by practicing all this stuff that's talked about in verses 37 through verse 40, where he's, you know, cutting out the bark and moving the herds and breeding them this time and not putting up that bark and all this stuff that he's doing. It appears as if he is the person who is seeing that he is becoming exceedingly prosperous, as verse 43 says. The text moves on, though. And as the text moves on, it becomes abundantly clear that Jacob's effort is not sufficient. And the same thing is true about your efforts and my effort. Our effort is not sufficient. When we try to live the Christian life via our own effort, via our own abilities alone, we end up failing. Why? Because God wants us to live by faith, to trust Him. So how does God want you and I then to rely on Him to a greater degree this week? How can you live by faith this week in a way that is different from how you failed to live by faith last week? Maybe it's a response that you had to your child. Maybe it's a response you had to your spouse. Maybe it's a response you had to a request that was asked of you at work. Maybe it's something else, but how does God want you to live by faith and to not seek to place all the, the emphasis on your own effort or your own plan or your own scheming or um, effort, but to live by faith, to live in reliance upon Him because He is the one who works about, who brings about His plan in his time and in his way. When we enter verse chapter 31, though, that becomes abundantly clear. All of a sudden, you go from only two occurrences of the word Lord and no occurrence of God in the end part of chapter 30 to just this abundant overflow of repeated uh, references to the fact that God is the one who has 
done all this. God is the one who has worked about all this situation. God is the one who brought Jacob to Aram. God is the one who brought Jacob to Laban's household. God is the one who allowed him to have his wife and to then have all this wealth. And God is the one who has been made a vow that Jacob will serve him and that Jacob will continue to worship him and will offer him a tithe. Remember all those vows that Jacob made when God came to him and promised him that he would be with him, that he would care for him, that he would make him prosperous and that he would bring him back to the land. And Jacob says, I'm going to worship you. Why? Because he had nothing to worship with when he got there. He didn't have anything to sacrifice. He had nothing to give God. And so he promises, when I have wealth, when I have the ability, I will worship you. And so he's, in verse 1, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that our was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all his wealth. And so there's this friction that's building. As I said, when you and I choose to live through our own efforts to seek to acquire stuff, we risk alienating ourselves from the community. And that's what's happening to Jacob. He's alienating himself from his community. And he moves on and he sees that Laban's countenance towards him is not favorable as it once was. And the Lord comes to Jacob and the Lord reminds him of his responsibility to return to the land. And he tells him, return to the land of your fathers, to your family, and I will be with you. It's the same promise that the Lord gave to Jacob earlier way before he even got to Aram. And so Jacob calls a, you know, a, a field council in the middle of the field, and he, he tells his wives what he has heard from God, and he says, You know, with all my might I have served your father, yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said, The speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said, Thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And so Jacob says, God is the one who has brought about this. Jacob's emphasis, Jacob's realization that his own effort, his own plan is not successful and that he must live by faith that he must choose to humbly submit to God and to choose to trust God and that's what you and I are called to do is to seek to give up our own efforts our own self-reliance our own plans and to trust ourselves into God's hand to live in obedience to God's word and so when God's word tells us that we are supposed to be making disciples of other believers and that we're supposed to be reaching out to them and pointing them as a disciple to become a better disciple, whether that be via a text message where you send a verse or uh, a prompting a question or a thought in their minds as they tell you about a difficult situation, Helping them to think through that situation by asking them good questions that help them to think through it in a biblical way. Or maybe it's reading a passage of scripture just on a weekly basis with somebody and praying. 
You have that responsibility. I have that responsibility. The question is, are we living by faith? Are we following God in obedience? Are we choosing our own reliance? God's means by which a church grows and by which you become a better disciple and by which I became a better disciple is that you and I are actively involved in the process of changing and helping each other grow and become more like Jesus Christ. Are you following him in obedience? Or have you set up your own plan that is outside of Scripture? You know, this is how the church is going to grow and prosper. God's plan is that you and I are actively involved in each other's lives, pointing each other continually to Christ. In addition, God's plan is that you and I are actively involved in engaging the community in a winsome way that causes them to be thoughtful and to think be friends with them. Point them to Christ. The question is, are you and I living in obedience to God's plan? For us to both be not just disciple makers once somebody's actually come to Christ, but actually to be evangelizing and pointing people to Christ. Or have we conceived, have we come up with our own plan on how the church will evangelize? I'm not against events that we have at church. Those are all fine and good. But the New Testament never records for us a event in which, you know, this is the evangelistic event and this is how everybody got saved. No, the primary way is by you and I, by the people that are in the New Testament, telling their friends, Telling their acquaintances, telling their neighbors, telling their co-workers, telling their family about who Christ is. And bringing them to salvation. Not bringing them to church. Coming to church comes after, normally. The question is, as we are confronted with truth, as we're confronted with how God wants us to live, are we willing to submit ourselves to those instructions? Are we willing to submit ourselves and say, this is God's plan for my life. This is how God wants me to live by faith. And while my own thoughts, my own efforts, my own conception about how this should work may be great on paper. What I'm called to do is to submit to God and to live by faith. Even if I don't understand why he has chosen, this means to bring about the maturity of the saints, to bring people to salvation, to help me live a life that is righteous. I don't understand some of the things. I mean, they feel sometimes unreasonable and overbearing, and but that's not my responsibility to understand and to comprehend. What I'm called to do is to live by faith, to live in obedience to God's word. As the text moves on, though, and it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream. And so he, he dreams about the flocks uh, breeding, and God tells him that there is going to be more of the same happening. And he says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now raise, arise, get up out of the land, and return to the land of your family. 
God comes and tells him, I want you to continue to live by faith. You've realized that your own efforts, your own actions in this previous narrative with the whole sheep and the goats thing was not successful. That's not what made you wealthy. What made you wealthy is that I, God, allowed those sheep to give birth to those kinds of sheep. And now they have been transferred from Laban to you. You are now wealthy and he is not. But what I want you to do is I want you to continue to live by faith. I want you to continue to follow me in obedience. And what he's asking him to do is he's asking him to move a couple hundred miles. I mean, that's crazy. That's a huge step of faith. You have 11 sons who are, you know, uh, under the age of 21. You have who knows how many sheep and goats. Probably some servants as well. And you're going to move this whole caravan across a couple hundred miles back to the land that God's told you you're supposed to be in? I remember a few years ago I was helping somebody move and as we were helping them move and they were packing up all their stuff, they looked at me and said, if I ever move across the country, I'm selling everything and when we get to where we're going, we're going to buy everything new because we're not going to do this a couple hundred miles. It's one thing to do it for, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles in, in the same geographical area, but to do this over a couple hundred miles, that's just crazy. And that's what God's asking Jacob to do, to live by faith, to follow him in obedience, trusting the promises that God has made. Jacob said, you made these great promises to me, and if you do them, I'm going to worship you. And now God comes to him and says, continue to live by faith. Your own efforts, your own plans, your own abilities, and your own conception of how things should work and could work are insufficient. Walk by faith. Live by faith. And the question is, as you are facing trials, as you are facing difficulties, the question is, are you going to choose to live by faith? Are you going to choose to walk by faith? Are you going to choose to say, God's word says this, I don't understand why, says this even sometimes. I feel like this might be a better way to approach this problem or this situation. But God's word says this. I'm going to choose to live by faith even though I don't understand. That is a type of inner character, if we go back to this morning's message, that God is seeking. He wants people who who willingly and happily choose to serve him wholeheartedly, even when they don't understand. Rachel and Leah hear this whole answer, uh, this whole explanation of what Jacob has heard from God, and they say, Is there any inheritance or portion for us in our father's house? For we are not considered for are we not considered strangers by him for he has sold us and also completely consumed our money for all these riches which god has taken from our father are great are really ours and our children's now then whatever god has said to you do it his wives choose to live by faith they choose to walk in faithful obedience to god why 
because his wives in the previous narrative learned earlier that their own scheming, their own effort, their own plans were insufficient and that God wants us to simply live by faith. He wants us to just live in submission, live in obedience to his word. And so the question is, are you and I going to choose to live by faith this week? Are we going to choose to live in obedience this week? As we consider what all this means and how it applies and start to think through, you know, what, what it meant back then and how it applies and how it, how it affects our lives today, I think one of the things that you and I must do as we contemplate this passage is it points us to the, the fact that we as humans very easily choose to rely on our own efforts. We choose to use our own abilities, our own uh, mental abilities, our own physical abilities to solve the problems and the situations that we encounter in this life. And when we do that, we are choosing to reject God. We're choosing to say, I know better than you, God. I'm going to live by my own standard, by my own way, and I'm not going to choose to live by faith. And as we examine our lives and we see areas of our lives where we have done this, you and I must come before God and seek his forgiveness. We must come before him and repent of our own self-reliance, our own efforts, because it's insufficient and it's actually an affront against a holy God. When you and I choose to not walk by faith, then it's an affront against a holy God. And then I think we also must choose to live by faith. As a parent, that means that you're going to be caring for your children physically and spiritually. You're going to do things to care for your children's physical well-being. You're going to do things... You're going to organize your life so that you can do the most good, the greatest benefit for your children's spiritual well-being. You're going to make that a priority. Why? Because it's your primary responsibility to nurture and to bring your child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so how do you live by faith when it comes to your home as a parent? That means you're going to change the way your family operates at a certain point of the day. And you're going to use certain parts of the day in such a way that you are molding and shaping and cultivating your child's heart to love Jesus Christ and to have a desire to serve him above all else. As a parent, that is what it means to live by faith. To reject your own abilities, your own plans, your own schemes, and to choose to live by faith means embracing the fact that you have been given an awesome and weighty responsibility. As a spouse, it means that you're going to choose to love your spouse. 
even when it's difficult. It means you're going to choose to serve your spouse even when it's difficult. It means you're going to choose to submit to your husband as a wife. Even when it's hard, even when your spouse is disagreeable and hard to get along with, even when you feel like they don't understand your position, you're going to choose to love your wife as a husband. You're going to choose to submit to your husband. Why? Because that's what God's word tells you you are supposed to do in order to live by faith. As an employee, you're going to work hard. You're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to wake up and you're going to go into work and you're going to work as hard as you can. Why? Not because you're going to get a paycheck, but because you're doing it to reflect the honor and glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. That's how you're going to walk by faith as an employee. As an employer, you're going to treat your employees well. You're going to provide for their needs. You're going to care for their physical well-being. Realizing that there is a greater judge, a greater court than any court that oversees and restricts employers' power in the United States or in the world. That is Jesus Christ. That is how you choose to walk by faith as an employer. And as a Christian, to walk by faith means that you're going to seek to find opportunities this week to evangelize. As a believer, you have been commanded to evangelize. To point people to the splendor and the glorious sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That he was willing to come to the earth to die for sinful mankind and pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. It is your responsibility to walk by faith and seek to find opportunities to point your sphere of people around you to Christ. It is your responsibility as a believer to seek to find opportunities to disciple one another. To encourage and to motivate one another. And even more as we see the day approaching. Now the whole idea of Hebrews. When it says to get together and to encourage one another. That's not just what I am supposed to do on Sunday as we gather. That's what we're all supposed to be doing. You to me and me to you. You to one another. Encourage, motivate, spur one another on to love and to good works. It means you're going to be serving. It means you're going to be reading God's word. This week what God wants us to do is to forsake our own ambitions, our own motives, our own desires, our own plans, our own philosophies about how life should work. And he wants us to fully Submit to him until walk by faith. That's what Jacob learns in this passage. And as he learns that lesson, God calls on him to walk by faith in an even greater way. 
and to move his whole family a couple hundred miles with all the kids that he has and all the sheep and the goats and the servants and all his possessions. He's a really wealthy man right now. And I can't imagine how scary that must have been. To move all this wealth was really minimal protection outside of you know God's protection. God has promised to be with him. That still had to have been really scary as he moved his family across the few hundred miles to get back to where he was supposed to be. What God wants from you and from me this week is to walk by faith. I pray that that is your desire and that that is your prayer. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the call to live by faith. It's not an easy Call. It's not an easy task that you have set before us to live by faith and to submit ourselves and to die daily to our own ambitions, our own desires, our own philosophies, our own, our own way of thinking about things and to choose to say we're going to live by faith. But that is what you have called us to do. We pray that we would seek to be your disciples and fully give ourselves to you and to the mission that you have for us this week. And in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We will have the um, uh, Zoom prayer meeting on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, we would encourage you to join us for that. And have a good Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Bye.